0: April 5th, Pastor Gentry bringing the message to you today, thank you for joining us on the Spring 4th Podcast, the ministry of First Congregational Church of McGregor, Iowa. We've made it to Palm Sunday, the start of Holy Week, and Holy Week will not be the same this year. Maybe perhaps part of our spring cleaning will run out and we'll cut some piece of something off of a shrub. Wave it around in the house and feel in the Palm Sunday spirit. Do what you can. Be flexible. It's a time for flexibility. Let us pray. Loving and most merciful God, we thank you for this day that you have brought us to. We thank you for the lessons that you have been teaching us. We thank you for the opportunity for us to be lamps unto your word. We have been doing a new thing these past few weeks. We have been flexible. We have been open to your leading and to your inspiration. We have had numerous conversations about how these changes to our lives have impacted us, things that we have gained, perhaps we have bonded with those around us. But we thank you because we have been anchored to your promise and we have been reminded that we are not alone. Help continue to preserve this new attitude within us an attitude of perseverance, of flexibility, an attitude of good humor as we make our way through this time of transition and exit through the end as new and revived people. We thank you for this day, a day of exploration as we make our way through Holy Week. So may this day be a blessing to us. May this act of worship be one which you take pleasure in And may everything that transpires be to the greater awareness of your holy kingdom. Amen. The Gospel for this morning is Matthew's account of Jesus's entry into Jerusalem. This is Jesus who is preparing, knowing full well that he has the cross before him. He sends his disciples out in order that they might prepare the way for his entry. The Gospel comes to us from Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. A reading from the Gospel of Matthew. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied in a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look! Your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey. On the colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. And they brought the donkey and the colt, put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of them and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When they had entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil asking, Who is this? And the crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. May the Lord bless the reading and the hearing of this holy word. Amen. Who doesn't love a parade? Who doesn't love the excitement of individuals gathering together, lining the streets, celebrating in some small towns when they have parades, they have all of the emergency vehicles that will careen down the streets, smiling faces, throwing candy to children. An assembly of excited, enthusiastic people gathering around a common cause and saying, hey, today is a good day. Jesus had a processional. I don't know if exactly it was a parade, but it was a processional. And that processional had the same enthusiastic individuals who were gathering around, caught up in the moment. We're not so different from them. In order to make preparations, he sent his disciples out. He knew exactly where there would be a donkey and a foal. And he asked his disciples, Untie them. Bring them to me. Anyone sees you doing these things and they ask you, Say, the Lord has need of them and he will return them immediately. They come back, lay their cloaks upon them and Jesus begins to ride these animals into Jerusalem. Now, this was not a one-off. This was not Jesus just showing up and arriving out of the blue, no one having heard of him, no one having experienced him. This was built upon the momentum that Jesus had gathered over three years of ministry. Three years calling disciples, opening the eyes of those born blind, strengthening the limbs of those who were lame, forgiving the sins of those who got themselves caught on the wrong side of behavior. This was the culmination. Jesus now has this opportunity to bring everything into harmony. All of his work is now coming into harmony. And the people are enthusiastic. They're beyond themselves. They're out of their minds because that's, What happens when you are at a parade? You're out of your mind. You're just so caught up in the enthusiasm and the excitement. You're feeding off the energy of the crowd. You're in the moment. You're being present. So Jesus is riding these animals into town as a processional, and people are cutting branches, palm branches, and they're laying them down. They're laying their their cloaks, their garments down. They are singing and praising at the highest levels of their voice, screaming until they are hoarse. Blessed is he who comes of David, the ancestor, King David, the one who united the kingdoms and the tribes of Israel. The king who was after God's own heart, King David, that David. He wasn't a perfect man. David wasn't, no. But he knew when he sinned. And he knew where his strength came from. Jesus in the likeness of his ancestor David is entering into Jerusalem on that groundswell of all of the work that he had done in the community. All of that work that had preceded him. Incredible. And now was his moment. The people were with him, and they were excited, and they were enthusiastic. And that joy, that joy was enough to draw other people into the crowd. Now, you have to imagine it's hard to manifest that kind of excitement when a man's riding a donkey in to town. This is it's kind. It's actually kind of a comic image. Uh, we don't know the approximate size of Jesus. We don't know if he was a man of small stature or if he was average height. But sometimes when you are on a donkey, feet kind of drag, right? It's kind of an awkward, undulating motion, and the donkey of itself, being a pack animal, is, doesn't strike the same sort of image as a horse would. people had in their minds that Jesus was going to be a powerful military leader, somebody who was going to liberate them from the occupation of Rome, somebody who was going to galvanize all of the willing participants into striking a blow at the oppressor. So they didn't really much pay attention to how he was entering Jerusalem. They just realized Jerusalem was the seat of power. That's where David had had established his throne after he moved it from Hebron. He established it in Jerusalem. So that's the seat of power. So if Jesus is going to take the seat of power, who cares what transportation he is using? The man is finally going to take his proper place on the throne, and we're with him. Yeah, He couldn't get a better ride, but this that's okay. He's making the most out of what was available. So they're cheering, man. They're crazy. They're just out of their minds and they're singing and praising and they're so wildly enthusiastic that i think they were missing a few clear cues one is that jesus already knew what was going to happen in the next week he was up on all of this information it was written into the fabric of his being he knew that this was the reason why he came into the world so he was very clear as to what his expectations were going to be he was very clear as to where he was going to have to go and what was going to be asked of him he knew this and he even knew how the enthusiasm of the crowd would diminish the enthusiasm and the excitement for his potential rise to power would diminish People would fall away, they would become angry, disappointed, disaffected, and they would want to hurt him. Now he knew all this, but he didn't let on. He just continued to enter in and let them have their enthusiasm. Because after all, that was their moment. That's not his moment. His moment's a few days off, but that was their moment. What Palm Sunday says to me is that we, as a people, have a problem with perception. We set our minds, we set our enthusiasm, we set our excitement on a certain set of expectations. And no one can convince us otherwise. Those individuals, we have to see ourselves in the individuals who were laying their cloaks on the ground, who were cutting branches, who were shouting at the tops of their voices, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I mean there's some part of us that shares that same enthusiasm, but we share it for misguided reasons. We share it because we hope that Jesus will be the type of political and military leader that we think we need, that he will ask us to do something even dangerous, perhaps even violent, perhaps even out of character, and we will do it. But Jesus has always ever been a man of peace. You go back through the Gospels, you look at the healings, you look at the teachings, and you will see that he's always ever been about reconciliation. Taking those who were maligned one way or another and bringing them back into harmony with the Spirit of God. Never did he find someone who was afflicted and add more affliction to their situation. He alleviated their affliction. And in doing so, he brought them back into harmony with their community and with the God who loves them, the God who created them in that divine image. Jesus was always doing a new thing. And unless it was directly happening to the individual, people had a hard time perceiving that. And how did we get it wrong? How did they get it wrong? What is it that we're getting wrong? That he's going to ride by on a donkey and throw us candy? Friends, it doesn't work like that. What we have to realize is that when our lives intersect with God, it's not business as usual. The expectation is is that God has and always will do a new thing. And we will always struggle with that new thing that God is doing because it never comes in the way that we anticipate. Never unfolds the way we want it to. And that's what frustrates us. But that's also what draws us in to the spiritual life. The spiritual life is full of twists and turns. It draws us in. It's full of mystery. We're enamored with the mystery. Frustrated by it. But it's the mystery that keeps us coming back. Now, if people could have looked once again at Jesus, here is a man that we think is going to be a military leader, but he's on a donkey. He's not riding a magnificent steed. He doesn't have a shining helmet or armor or a big sword on his side. He's not speaking in strong, powerful language. He is entering in as low-key as you possibly could imagine. Very humble, mounted on a donkey, very unassuming. What's going on here? What can we learn from this image? What can we learn of this man who has been so consistent in his image throughout, that he's been so anchored, so mellow, so tempered. What can we learn? What does his humility say to our existence? What is he speaking to our current circumstance right now? Jesus is giving us a moment of pause. Jesus is asking us to reconsider our perceptions, our perceptions not of what he did back then, our perceptions of how we are asking him to work in our lives right now. Asking him, Jesus, we've partnered with you. There are some things that are taking place that confuse us, that frighten us, that cause us anxiety. We have to learn, since we are a post-Easter people, we have to learn from this triumphal entry of Jesus where he enters in in all humility and says, I will be with you, I will teach you how to radiate peace. I will teach you how to understand and to wait upon God's instruction. I know if I had been there, I would have been equally caught up in the, in the hype. You can't help but be in that moment. There's no time for contemplation when you're in the midst of an enthusiastic crowd. I'd go and mangle some bushes too and grab something off and lay it down and say, man, let's get into the spirit. It's only after you get home and you're cleaning your dusty garments that you had thrown on the ground in a moment of haste. It's only when you get home that you start to say, what was that all about? What was going on with Jesus riding the stolen donkey? What? What? Did I miss something? Is there some deeper message that was lost on me? These are the questions that we continue to ask. As we look upon the shifting landscape of our own current time and our own current circumstance, we ask ourselves is there something in this processional? Is there something in this perception of God that we are missing? We hope to exit through this time, through this moment of transition. I like to call it a moment of transition. I suppose we're always in a moment of transition, but right now there's this global moment of transition. and We'd like to be able to say, I'm going to exit from this and I'm going to go back to the way things were. That moment has passed, friends. That moment's it's passed. There's no going back to the way things were. We don't even know what that means anyway. The question is, is how do we move forward? Because bad perceptions gummed up the works back there in first century Palestine. People's misconceptions about what Jesus was going to do for them, how he was going to liberate them, they didn't realize that it was a sort of an internal, spiritual, emotional liberation. They didn't think about that but we have to. We have to think about what it means when we enter into prayer. It is invoking the Spirit of God which will bring transformation to us. This Holy Week journey is our journey. We, too, make our descent towards the cross. Bearing our burdens. Wrestling with our misconceptions. Hanging on and clinging on to the hope that God who takes us deep into this valley will also be there to lift us out. That he is exactly the Savior that we need because he is not above himself. He is not full of himself. He He is not all about himself. He radiates God. He's only ever used his entire ministry to point towards God. This processional is not about him. What he's asking us is to pay attention. Because the real deed, the real sacrifice, the real salvation is but around the corner. And if we get caught up in this narrative that we create, we will miss the extravagance of what God is preparing to do and miss the opportunity of trying to find out what God is teaching us. We learn from the crowd in this passage. Let us not fall into the same trap. Let us suspend what we think we know and rest upon what God longs to reveal to us. That is the true mystery of the Spirit. Not to presume to know God, but to await upon God's leading and instruction. Amen. Let us pray. God of grace and God of glory. We thank you for this time that you have given us, this opportunity to center our hearts and minds at the beginning of Holy Week, to reflect on the procession of Jesus, the thoughts, the notions of the crowd that gathered there, to see ourselves at some distinct point that their narratives, their hopes, their expectations are very similar to our own. We thank you that you have the tempered spirit to be merciful to us. Help us to deal with this time that we are in in a productive fashion, not in terms of filling routines not with the sake of making sure that we accomplish things, but to have a spiritual formation that will unfold and ground us every day, that we can come to understand our capacity as spiritual beings. we to emerge from this time as spiritually equipped, spiritually enlightened, spiritually grounded. We ask that you would continue to bless and keep those who are serving at the front of this crisis, our healthcare workers, those in industry who are keeping supply chains moving, those who are manufacturing the essential items needed to tackle this beast. For those who are laboring with this illness, we pray for their health, that they would make their way through this. And for those of us who are learning a new routine Learning new measures of patience rediscovering our families We pray That you keep us tethered to your peace That our hearts and minds may be one We do not take you for granted We admit we don't always understand you. But we're in this journey together. And we thank you for allowing us to be with you. So receive these prayers for the sake of he who offered himself for us. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And now may the grace of Jesus Christ the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. May it keep you and guide you in peace. Amen.